Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is December 9th, also known as Lockout Day 8. I'm Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll, and we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. You can follow us on Twitter at, D- I am at DGasper24, Matt is at MKEMatt13. Um, and the podcast keeps rolling here throughout the lockout, even though baseball has come to a complete stop. And, you know, Matt and I, we were, we were talking, and it's like, hey, we need to talk about this pitching staff. That, that led this Brewers team this year. And so we were thinking, who do we know that could talk about pitching with us for a, for a podcast episode? And we came up with the same idea. Rob Friedman, the pitching ninja, is joining us on the pod this week. Rob, thanks for coming on, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about y'all? I'm doing great. My, Cy, my Corbin Burns Cy Young hype train has pulled into the station and I've I've just been on cloud nine ever since the announcement, really. So are you a Corbin Burns fan? I didn't notice during the year. Like I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you didn't notice that every single every single start. I'm like, hey, happy Corbin Burns Day, everyone at Pitching Ninja. Get ready for some crazy cutters tonight. Yeah. Hey, Corbin Burns just pick up the picked up the rosin bag. Pitching Ninja. <laughs> yes, but that I was loved a, it. Like that's awesome. <laughs> that was the best Rosenberg pickup we've seen since Randy Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> and he does that hair thing too. Like, every, oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we need a we need a mechanics of of the hair flip. Um, and, and maybe a couple of overlays of that. Maybe I'm supposed to. I mean, I I talked to him about doing a longer interview, and I'd love to talk to him about that because uh, it's distinctive, right? Yeah. It's the hair, feathered and lethal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right, so we've got uh, a lot of of pitchers to to discuss uh, with Rob here on this episode. And, you know, the, the Spurs team, as we as I mentioned, was led by its pitching staff, which is the first time in like pretty much forever uh, in this Brewers franchise history. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to take this one and we're going to talk specifically about the rotation um, and all the guys in the Brewers rotation. And then we're going to hopefully have Rob back uh, later on uh, in another episode to talk about the bullpen guys. Because at some point we're going to have to talk with you about Devin Williams, the airbender, and Josh Hader, and Aaron Ashby, and all those guys. Um, but there's only so much time to uh, talk in a single episode. So let's talk the rotation. And let's start with our Cy Young winner, our reigning National League Cy Young winner, Corbin Burns. I never get tired of saying it. Um, it was a close Cy Young vote. Do you think that the that the voters came up with the with the right decision that Burns should have won? I had Burns winning it. Yeah, like I didn't. I thought just my eye test. It, even it, you, you exclude the stats. You just watch how he pitched. Um, it was especially if you get baseball and you love pitching. He is almost the poster child for somebody that loves pitching. Like you want to watch him throw every game and things like, like his cutter, I'd, I'd named the uh, prettiest pitch of the, of the year. And it's one of those things that sometimes it doesn't move a ton. You're talking about four or five inches, but hitters give up on it. And I think those things just make a pitching guy really excited. Like it's, it's almost like watching art when he pitches that's what I like. It wasn't like, you know, he throws hard, but he wasn't, it wasn't just overpowering stuff. It was tunneling. It was, you know, 
get knowing how to get into a hitter's head. It was his own confidence, not walking anybody, um, challenging hitters when he needed to. There were so many good things about what he did. Um, and then just standout performances, right? Like 10 strikeouts in a row, tying the all-time record, you know, set by Tom Seaver way back when, tied by Aaron Nola. But that's like that's like a a Mount Rush. And then you have, you know, the walks record at the beginning of the season where you're, you're not walking anybody. That's another amazing thing, a combined no-hitter. There's so many things in that season that stood out to me that it'd be a shame for him not to win the Cy Young. It, it's hard to believe with that devastating cutter that that's something that is relatively new to him, right? Like, it's such a brutal pitch, and it wasn't really until last year that he started using it. Now, you know, pitch repertoires evolve, and for a guy who had the 2019 season like he did, obviously it was even more important for him to kind of figure things out. Um, but when he started using it in 2020, 33% of the time, it was like, ooh, ooh, this pitch could be nasty. And then really ramped it up last year. It, it, it's hard to imagine a Corbin Burns that didn't use that pitch. I, like if I had that pitch, I'd be using it all the freaking time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I totally agree. And and when I talked to him, is like I think the prettiest pitch in baseball. You just watch it and you're like, you can see why a hitter gives up on it. Starts just off the corner and then then catches the plate. Um, and he didn't want to throw it. Like he was worried that it was going to catch too much of the plate and he's going to give up home runs on it. And then he realized he got convinced to do it by the analytics department. So it's little things like that, his ability to evolve. Um, and now you can't possibly think of him without that pitch. As a matter of fact, it probably is like, you know, there are other people that throw hard cutters, like Emmanuel Classe throws up, you know, 102 mile an hour cutter. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but Burns's command with that cutter, um, it's just devastating. And then all the other pitches he has to play off of it. I don't like it's it's unfair stuff. I mean, him, you know, he's he's in that Degrom class. I mean, Degrom's Degrom. I mean, Degrom is a yeah, you know, all time great. Uh, but just a level, it like he doesn't look like he puts too much effort in his you know 98, 99 mile an hour pitches. Burns. Um, I just love it and his mental approach of it. He's he's level headed. Um, attacks hitters has a plan measures himself after games like he's he's the complete package and i'm just excited to see where he goes from here actually he doesn't have to improve right like all he has to do is keep being what he did <laughs> yeah what yeah, he's you, done the you, last two years yeah yeah i mean you reach the pinnacle with the cy young you know it's like you, you can't really get too much above that as a pitcher except just keep on doing that um and, and yeah it's crazy that, that like you look at his pitch mix and like coming up, like his best pitch was a slider. You know, he just had like a super nasty slider and he throws it like maybe 10% of the time. Like, like it's, it's probably his maybe third or fourth best pitch. I mean, he's, he's got five. He's got the, he's got the cutter. He's got the slider. He's got the curveball. Uh, he's got now a 93 mile an hour changeup. Like what? <laughs> 93 mile an hour changeup. Like, what is that? Yeah, it was a ton of movement too. Like 
it was his curveball might have did that have the lowest batting average against of any of his pitches and maybe one of the best of anybody in the in the majors um and it's mm-hmm. very underrated like nobody you don't talk about Corbin Burns's curveball uh but it was it was filthy and partly because of everything else he throws yeah whopping 0.069 batting average against I mean, nice. come on yeah i have come to say on. nice exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that, that I think people don't understand, like people didn't get that. And I think people still overlook his curveball as a as one of the best pitches in the major leagues, too. So you have that with a 93 mile an hour changeup that has nasty movement as well. Um, and his slider, you're right, like coming up. That's all we were talking about is how nasty a slider was. And it had cartoon movement, too. And then, you know, just a normal, I mean, a, a, a two seamer that he can throw kind of going away with the cutter coming in like that's he's got all the weapons what's he gonna throw a knuckleball like that'd be kind of <laughs> nasty oh my god if he adds a knuckleball or something to that uh, that would just be insane let's, let's, let's convince him to do it because of course with corbin burns it'd be like an 89 91 mile an hour knuckleball yeah yeah <laughs> of course uh we, we need to call chris hook we need a direct line uh, get get in there and get him a knuckle. Get get him a sixth pitch, or would it be a seventh? I don't know. He's got we so to, many pitches. Yeah. Um, I did convince Liam Hendricks to throw it in the All Star game. That was kind of cool. <laughs> oh, did nice. You know did you know that? I missed that. I, yeah. I, I, was, I was too distracted by him cursing so much because he didn't think the <laughs> microphone was on. <laughs> so, so we had, we had caught up on the uh, on the red carpet before. And he's, mm-hmm. I was talking to him and Shane Bieber, and he was saying that. Yeah, I'm just going to name drop. Like, oh, yeah, we were. Uh, <laughs> I would. Yeah, right. Uh, so I was, I was talking to him and he's like, you know, I have this knuckle puck that I throw. I'm like, dude, I will give you I'll give you 20 bucks if you throw it in a game. And he was like, as yeah, just giving him crap. And he's like, well, you know what? Actually, if you don't make donations to, to an animal charity, I'll do it. And I got I tweeted it before the game. I was like, if, hey, everybody, he's going to do it. Um, if he does it, I think that, you know, everybody should donate. And we raised a few thousand bucks after he threw it. It was like an 84 mile an hour knuckleball he threw. Oh, Jeez. wow. That's yeah. So, that, so we can get Corbin Burns to do it. Oh, yeah. You got to get him back in the all-star game. Maybe not in one in, in Denver. Um, Cause he, he did not have a fun time mm. in that, uh, in that all-star game facing uh, Vladdy Jr. No, no, no. But uh, then again, who does? Right. Yeah, that's exactly. true. Like, yeah. Yeah, and it's Denver. I mean, no pitchers have fun there, really, except John Gray. And even then, now he's leaving. But that's beside the point. Um, yeah, it, it's just it, it's crazy, just just kind of the the pitches that he has, and and how things have uh, really changed from, and and how his arsenal really overall has changed. And I think you guys, I, I'm pretty sure everyone has seen the the commercials with Lucas Giolito with Harold Reynolds or whatever, like commenting like Lucas Giolito. 2018 worst pitcher in baseball. And then just kind of like turns it around. We need Corbin Burns commercials. Now with, with Harold Reynolds yelling 2019 worst pitcher in baseball and then turning it around. Yeah. And you saw what happened is how he turned it around was amazing. Like, he, like some pitchers, when they go through that, they panic and try to change everything. Instead, he used analytics and said, I, my stuff is nasty. It's just a matter of, I need to I need to throw different pitches differently. 
Um, so he was able to use both the mental game and analytics to improve himself without panicking and, and saying, man, I suck. And that's like the key is, is really understanding what's going on because he obviously didn't suck. Like you watched him. It wasn't like you saw and said, boy, that's a terrible pitcher. He had nasty stuff and just didn't have, you know, the didn't have command of it. And you can also look one, you know, one side of the plate against him. And now he has stuff to, to kind of handle everything. So it was being smart and having good coaches around him and listening and being coachable and having and getting that confidence. So I thought it's a great story for anybody, like even players coming up. Just because you have a bad year doesn't mean it's, you know, it that you have to start from the beginning. Uh, maybe it's just a little thing. Adding a cutter that yeah. it, everything else plays off of. Like, yeah. I, I think if everyone could add a 97-mile-an-hour cutter to, to their pitch <laughs> mix, they would. Uh, I, I certainly would have loved to have been 20 miles an hour faster than anything else I threw. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, and yeah, like you look at his stuff in 2019 and obviously I was on the Cy Young hype train back then. So I knew he was good. Um, but it, it was that end zone command, like everything just ended up middle, middle and just being hit out of the park. And I think one of the crazy stats to me is that he gave up more home runs in his first three starts of 2019 then he gave up in all of his starts in 2021 combined he gave up three home runs in each of his first three starts so that's nine total homers in 2019 they gave up just in those he gave up seven in all 28 starts in 2021 yeah that's incredible and i wonder how repeatable that is that's the only thing that i would say is that's off the charts and you know things tend to regress a little bit that being said he could also get better. Like I can see him improving a number of different things um, just with pitch mix. Right. I mean, like he, mm -hmm. that he, he realized his curveball was nasty. You have, I mean, you have a 0.069 uh, batting average against on it. How do yeah. you work that in? Um, you know, obviously his cutter should still be his lead pitch, but also his changeup was way underrated. Like it wasn't a pitch that most people talked about also. And that changeup had a ton of fade to it. Like it was a really, really good pitch. He's just visually fun to watch. Um, just, just if you're a baseball fan, it doesn't, yeah, it, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. And you know, it, it proves that you can, you just can't give up on these talented guys so quick. Everyone, seems to want to do that these days. And I don't know if it's a social media thing of like people kind of like gather together and pile on. Um, you see highlights of guys giving up home runs or, you know, striking out a bunch if you're a batter and everyone wants to just move on to the next big thing. And baseball especially is a sport where, you, you know, it, it takes some players a few years to really break out and develop. And Corbin Burns was an extreme case of that. Um, but can you imagine if the Brewers would have given up on him after 2019? Like, that's just not what die. teams do. But <laughs> players, or I, I should say fans, um, a, a lot of them were vocal about that at that point. And Gordon Burns is not the first, or will he be the last, that that happens to. You make a really, really good point with that. And that's one of those things that every once in a while, I mean, I try not to be very critical of fans um, because everybody's entitled to root however they want to root. Um, and, and stuff like that. But you don't know how many times I tweet somebody and, and have people say, yeah, well, why couldn't he do that on, on my team? Why couldn't he, you know, why couldn't he do that? 
Blake Trinan, for example, mm. when he was on the Nats, kind of sucked. Like he was he was bad. They gave they hated when he came into games. But if you watched him pitch, you knew he had great stuff. And now every time he has a great outing, a great appearance, people are like, why couldn't he do that on the Nats? I'm like, because you didn't get like the fans don't give these guys a chance. You're always trying to improve as as somebody that's as being smart about the game. You have to look and say, does this guy have stuff that if he harnesses it can get people out and have that patience to see a player develop? Um, that's one of those things that I think it's really, really tough for fans to do. You saw that with, uh, with Thor a little bit. I mean, you have Noah Syndergaard, you had people piling on, wouldn't surprise me to see him dominate again. Um, I think it's just, that's what fans do. They did it to Devin Williams last year. Devin Williams had a hard start Mm -hmm. to the season and everybody's like, oh, yeah, that was, you know, he sucks. Uh, blah, 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 blah. He should. And w- then he put together a run where he where he, he was unhittable. Like that's fans need to have a longer perspective in general. I think it's hard because you want your team to win and you're rooting for folks. But what do, what good does that do? Yelling at a player, mm-hmm. and getting like they watch, they see comments. They may not comment on it. But if everything you did, like you're doing a podcast and someone's, I wonder why he said that word, you know, I'm not sure he, sh- this podcast is any good. Cause he keeps saying, you know, this word and I'm not, it, it gets in your head. Like you can't do anything. You can't work a job and have someone criticize you all the time. But in sports, some reason we think as fans, if you boo somebody, it's going to make them play harder. Like <laughs> they want to play hard and it just makes them have less confidence, potentially want to get out of town. Um, and I don't think Brewers fans are particularly bad about that, but some fans no. are. Yeah, no. I think they're like, you know, Mets fans last year I thought were pretty tough on their on their team, rightfully or wrongfully. You know, obviously there was their own drama, um, but you, you got to just take, ratchet it down a little bit and let the, let <laughs> these guys play and maybe support them when they're having a hard time. It's hard to do. It's hard. Yeah. It's easy to jump on players and. I like the fact that you were on the Corbin Burns bandwagon early on and you knew that he had the stuff to be dominant and you watched him put it together and it was all mental game. Like for him, it was a mental game, confidence. And if you kept crapping on him every time or the coaches kept crapping on him every time, um, would he have ever gotten where he got? I don't know. Sorry for that soapbox, but no, no, it's, it's (laughs) fine. And And it's very important message. And, yeah, and especially for the Corbin Burns train, I kept receipts too. So all all the people <laughs> yeah, that yeah. were just they were going after me in 2019. This dude sucks. DFA him, trade him while you can. He's got no value. Move on to whoever. I kept receipts and I brought him back. I'm like, hey, what about now? And some of them were like, okay, fine, you got me. I overreacted. Some blocked me. Some you know <laughs> didn't. Some didn't take it as well, but you know. It happens, and now you remember, hey, like I'm just reminding you, maybe chill out on trying to say guys suck and should be DFA'd and uh, things like that. And Burns is just one of one of many examples. Yeah, I mean, there are enough guys that really suck. To uh, it, And actually, yeah. it shows how smart you are as a fan to be able to say, you know what, I see glimpses. What would I do as a coach? I would sit there and say, hey, let's give him some time to work this out. And eventually he's going to put it together. That means you're a smart fan, right? Like you're sitting there Mm -hmm. saying, you know, this guy is really nasty versus and, and, and it's just a matter of a couple of years and seasoning. Um, And then you can go back and 
trash talk everyone that said you should get rid of them. Like, I think that's yeah. being a good fan. You're that's being a smart fan. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I try to be. Um, all right. So as much as I'd love to continue talking, uh, Corbin Burns, let's move on to one of the other members of the Brewers rotation. The Brewers opening day starter this past year, Brandon Woodruff, who might be one of the most underrated uh, ace type pitchers um, in in baseball. I mean, he re- I mean, he kind of got overshadowed by Burns's just pure dominance this year in the, in the Brewers rotation. But he finished fifth in Cy Young voting. And, I mean, you look at his numbers. His numbers are also pretty much just as good, just as steady. Um, kind of more your traditional type uh, ace, type frontline starter. Um, fastball slider, curveball changeup, you know, ba- basic four-pitch mix there. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on Brandon Woodruff and him possibly being super underrated? I think he's super underrated, although at the beginning of the season – I thought Corbin Corbin Burns was super underrated because everybody's talking about Woodruff's the one and Burns mm. is the two. And I thought the previous season, it was pretty clear to me that Burns was one of the best pitchers in baseball. I didn't think that like I had him as one of the best. Amen, pitchers Rob. In baseball. Yeah. Um, that being said, I love Woodruff. I love his mentality. Uh, basically, he doesn't think anyone could hit his fastball. He goes up there and that's his pitch. He's going to dominate you with that kind of right like he throws i mean his yeah. fastball's tough um i just like the way he approaches the game he's kind of a uh a intense bulldog guy. yeah right he's literally he's, mississippi state bulldog too exactly i talked <laughs> yeah he was pumped when they won the you know winning the national championship oh yeah the first national championship that school's won um you know that's that was sick that was awesome I got to I got to run into him at the All Star game. We talked about it a little bit. Like that was, he said he teared up a little bit on that. It was, yeah. yeah I mean, I don't blame him, but yeah, I love it. And he, you know, he's another one of those guys that you you have to you have to watch. I think the difference between him and Burns is, like, I think Burns is more like art when you watch him pitch, and Woodruff is more like a force of nature where you're just blowing the ball by people. You're like challenging middle, middle with a fastball and saying, here, here, try to catch up. Um, both are interesting to watch. It's just totally different pitchers. And yet he's similar to uh, Corbin Burns in that his curveball, um, which can be beautiful sometimes, um, is his pitch that batters hit the worst against 140. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, we all we all think of him the same way. Like he's just going to blow by you. Um, he's you know, he's tough and he's grit and he's just going to dominate you. Um, and then he'll just he'll just float that little curveball in there. And oh, oh, it's just pretty. I, I think I think it's a perfect pitch to tunnel with his fastball. Right. Like if you're if you're a fastball guy, you need that little 12 six curveball. And that's probably one reason why it's effective. He gets a little rise on the on the uh, fastball and then you throw a curveball with that. I mean, it's a good, good mix. Uh, yeah, like I, one and two, that's kind of, that's kind of tough to, to beat. Might have to be like DeGrom and Scherzer or something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Gonna, yeah. It, it doesn't have quite, quite the name recognition yet across baseball like DeGrom and Scherzer do, but I mean, they're going to get there. And enough Cy Young's between these guys and, and they'll end up getting that, that type of recognition. And I mean, I mean, Woodruff has the stuff to get there, too. I mean, it's just, you know, now you just got to beat out a guy in your own rotation, too, and Burns. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun because I, I bet you they make each other better, too. Oh, 100%. Um, because they don't seem like neither one seem seems anything other than a really good dude. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard anything different, but watching oh, no. them, they seem like they would get along and that they're they just make each other better. Yeah, no, they certainly do. And, and there really has been, I, I think, you know, like healthy competition between like all those guys, like trying to just continually improve. Like uh, I remember it was after Adrian Hauser threw a complete game. Um, and then, uh, I think Lauer had like a really good start and like council took him out, like as he was going deep, he's like, come on, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to beat Hauser here. Like, like, you know, gotta give me something, but, uh, but yeah, so like, it's just kind of like, you know, pushing each other to, to be better. And, and it's been great. I've gotten a chance to, to talk to Woodruff really great down to earth dude. Um, just, just like he, he's, he's from a small town in Mississippi and, and just kind of has a thunderbolt for an arm and, <laughs> It's just, you know, it's come up and he's just a really fantastic dude. He really said so that was one of those things where I I ran into it at the All-Star game. And the first words he said was, I was hoping I'd run into you. And I was like, wow, that's because really, he wanted to talk about Mississippi State. And right. and uh, I was just like, what a nice, he's just a nice guy. Like he is exactly that. Um, very rootable. Like you have these guys on the team that that as a fan, you know, Obviously, the Brewers are one of the teams that I would watch um, mm-hmm. just because of the pitching staff. I think it's fun. Um, I was rooting for them you know, the, the entire season. Fans are good, too. Like some of the uh, the whole Raptor stuff was pretty funny. <laughs> I got in the uh, middle of the uh, what was it? The Raptor versus the the Vulture. The Vulture. The Vulture. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Raptor is one of our writers, too. Yeah, I got in the yeah. middle of that, uh, and, oh, no. and I was like, oh, no. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> like, what did I do? I stepped in the middle of this Raptor versus Vulture war. Yeah. So, like, where am I right now? I don't even know. <laughs> it did. It was a little Alice in Wonderland-ish. Like, yeah. But I thought it was cool. That's, that's, the fans have a personality, too. It's one reason why the Brewers are, uh, are a fun team to watch. And as an, you know, I try to not be a fan of any team when, cause I'm a fan of the players in general mm-hmm. and there's just some fan bases though, that are fun to interact with and brewers obviously have one. So I'm yeah, a big fan of the fans of the brewers. Yeah. And the players like, that's something that the players have said a lot too about, you know, the, the fan base in Milwaukee and uh, how they really enjoy playing for the fans and how they support them and, and things like that. And, you know, I think that's something that also just kind of like it, it attracts free agent players um, and it helps guys stay. And hopefully in the case of Burns Woodruff signed contract extensions uh, to stay around for a while. Uh, hopefully that's going to cost a lot of money, but um, plenty of jerseys we can buy and tickets we can buy to to help make up for that. I am I am happy to to support the Corbin Burns contract extension fund over here. Yeah. I, and I think that that's a really important part. And we, we touched on fans earlier, but fans have a lot to do with it. Like there, there are players that don't want to play in certain cities because the fans are not cool. Like they're they're They can get on you there. And there are other cities where if you're going, things are going well, they're going to be right behind you. And if they're not going well, they're not. It seems like uh, you know, every fan fan base has some of those guys, right? Like you're always mm-hmm. going to have somebody yeah. that, that gets on your players and stuff, but the Brewers overall, I think, have a really good. 
Yeah. And, and you know what? It, and talking about those players, though, like it, it makes it easy to root for them, you know, as fans. Like you've got Corbin Burns, who's a, you know, comeback story. And um, Woodruff, he's posting pictures on Instagram of his family and his kids and stuff. You know, it's like, how do you not cheer for those types of guys? Yeah. And then you have uh, Freddie Peralta, who's just like, just I don't, like a lightning bolt on the mound. Yeah. Like, he's, he's so much fun to watch because you talk about guys that don't show emotion. Like you very rarely see emotion out of Burns and Woodruff. And then you have a guy that's pure emotion. Like he's just yeah. fun to watch and jumping around and doing all that stuff. He's, um, you know, it's, it's fun to watch the the difference between guys and, and, and then quirky guys too. Yeah. But man, then, and they all, and they all, yeah, they all play off of each other, you know, too. And like Burns, like Burns will have like that primal scream, like from time to time and like the glove slap, Woodruff yeah, is slap, it's just yeah. kind of more your Woodruff is kind of a bit more steady, not quite Kyle Hendricks level of no emotion, but um, <laughs> still still pretty steady. I don't think anyone can reach Kyle Hendricks level of no emotion. Um, Corey Kluber is the closest. Um, yeah, yeah, Klubot. Klubot, yeah, he's uh, he's tough to beat. Yeah, but but you mentioned uh, you mentioned Freddie Peralta, and that's the next guy I think we got to talk about here. Uh, he has gone from fastball Freddie. And really just kind of fastball curveball mix to now he's four pitch Freddie. He's got four pitches. He's added a slider, which is nasty, and yeah. a changeup, which is nasty. And now he's got a solid four pitch mix. And his fastball rate went from 78, like he threw his fastball 78% of the time in 2019 as primarily a starter with essentially two pitch mix to now 53% this last year. So he's cut it down. And he's brought in the slider and the changeup to go with the curveball. And he's a, he seems a complete pitcher now. He is. And he's one of those guys that I I look out every time he pitches and think that he could throw a no-hitter. Like, he has, he has that type of electric stuff, which is different. So it, the way I compare, compare him with someone like Burns, Burns is more, like I said, art, like a Fabergé egg to watch pitch, the way he throws. Um, Freddie is just is is a filth factory he if he can stay in the zone and, and, and put it all together like that um he's really you know he's got he's nasty like he's got nasty it's the same as his personality it's the over the top stuff and when he gets all of that together watch out and i think he's close yeah and i think we've got a new nickname for him filth factory <laughs> freddy <laughs> yeah, we gotta use that yeah, we do we do call call breaking tea call rotoware we we yeah. got to get this uh, lined up absolutely uh, but yeah like so he's fun to watch and I always will look at the box score to or when he, while he's pitching to see if I need to tune in because I always expect him to throw like you know one of these 13k games you know no hitter type things just going deeper in games um, and I think we're around the corner like that's close he he reminds me. The way you were you were on the Burns band, bandwagon, like he's mm-hmm. further along than when Burns was at the body. It's not like Freddie's got a yeah. lot to go, but he does have a little bit to go to get there. Like consistency wise, I think if he get if he can master that, um, guy's got a really really high ceiling. Yeah, and he's got that. Uh, it's the command too. I mean, that he's had the issues with some walks over the years, but that's been trending down each of the last few years. Um, with, with the walks and, and getting that command uh, in there, which I feel like is generally kind of the last thing to to come in for for young pitchers. 
It, it very much is. Yeah, there there are very few guys that come into the league with with just plus command and plus stuff. Like you usually have to choose between one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, very rarely do you have a guy with both. You don't have a lot of Burnses and DeGroms and stuff like that. Um, and Burns obviously you know, migrated towards that. So I think eventually that comes. Yeah, I, I know with Peralta, I looked into it um, like halfway into last year. Um, and I think those who watch the games would kind of remember this as well. His struggles, if he had any, were always in that first couple of innings. And he would kind of pile up the walks a little bit. He might give up a couple of runs. And then generally, once he got past those two innings, he was just in cruise control for the rest of the game. So if he kind of finds that way to kind of settle down early, that's what's going to be able to kind of extend those outings for him where he might have a chance to throw a no hitter or something like that. Yeah. And some of that is just purely mental game. And that's mm-hmm. the part that I, that I, I think is really, really important. Maybe can lean on guys like Burns who, uh, you know, Burns, Burns is big on evaluating his start. Did he hit it? What percentage did he hit this, his spots? Did he execute the pitch? Um, and if you take some of the emotion a tiny bit out, obviously, I don't think you can, if you're Freddie, he can't pitch without emotion. You got to be yourself, um, but maybe control it even more. I think that that's, uh, yeah, I mean, that he's he's an exciting pitcher. Yeah. yeah and, and Oh, go ahead, Matt. No, I was going to say, I know, I know at one point I, I thought he finished the season that way. Um, had he been a qualified starter, he would have led the league in batting average against. So it yep. really was the walks that ended up getting him those toned down a little bit. And like David said, they have been trending downward for sure, but they keep going down and you're going to have a one, a one B one C trio (laughs) of, you know, first guys for the brewers. And that's just, that's not even fair. It's not fair. And I think, I think he's another guy that gets a little slept on. Um, I think the, I think the brewers pitching staff overall got a little slept on. Mm-hmm. Um, in general. And I think Freddie is one of those guys that everybody knows, you know, he, he's got nasty stuff, but people don't really follow him as much. I mean, they just don't. Um, and to realize how nasty he is, you have to, you have to watch him, you know, sit down and watch a game and, and dude is, he's also really fun to watch. I think the players mm-hmm. enjoy watching. They don't know what he's going to do. Um, <laughs> his little, you know, jumps and case struts and stuff. I mean, it gets the team fired up. Yeah, it, it really does. And Freddie, I, I think they released a video back in spring training of basically just Freddie giggling and laughing, like making everyone else laugh. And like it's it's just so infectious. Like he's like he's just got the biggest smile. Um, like it like he's just gonna go around. He whoever he's talking to, whichever teammate, whatever, he's just gonna make their day better, pretty much. And it's just it's so fun to have a guy like that on your team who is also just super dominant out on the mound. Yeah, absolutely. Very, um, very fun. And you mentioned, too, you know, his, you know, expecting no hitter each time out there. He set an MLB record this season. Freddie Peralta set an MLB record for most starts in a single season, allowing two or fewer hits. He had 12 of them, and he did that by July. And, and like, he beat a record that was held by Nolan Ryan, who, as we all know, was one of the best in baseball history at not giving up hits. And Freddie Peralta beat his record for most starts in a single season along two or fewer hits, and he beat it by July. It, it's funny because that's what it seemed like as somebody that watches him. 
I thought he was fairly unhittable, and that's why I was making that no, the no-hitter comment. Like, he is, when he's on, unhittable. I don't think people paid attention to that. Like, I, I think, you know, that was one of those things. I saw it come up, um, that, that, that record, and I think people didn't really cover it because they don't – it's not like he's on everybody's radar outside of Milwaukee um, and people that watch a lot of pitching – but yeah, he's very, very tough to hit, and that's why you know adding a tiny bit, tiny bit more command. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, and he's at the age right now where that's going to happen. Like it would not surprise me at all for him to put together a a a, a monster season. Yeah, I believe we already have one of our writers who is on the Freddie Peralta 2022 Cy Young hype train uh, and driving that one. So we're really just kind of pushing for all the Cy Youngs. Uh, in Milwaukee uh, over the next few years. So it's just, we're, we're going to have to get used to it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough, right? It's tough to get used to all that great pitching, but somebody has got to do it. And I think the Milwaukee <laughs> fan base is up to it. Yeah. We're all, we haven't, we haven't had it in what five, five decades, like like yeah. for 50 years of, of this team's history, pitching has never been our strong suit. And now here we are and you got three co-aces essentially um, that are homegrown and uh, like, you just don't see that anymore. I mean, two guys that were drafted and developed Peralta, they traded for him when he was like 19. So they essentially developed him. Um, and it, it's just, they're leading the way. Yeah. I, I, I still don't, I still think you've got to give Burns the credit of giving him a little separation. Like Burns has got oh, to yeah. be. Yeah. So we got to, we have three co-aces led by the Cy Young award yeah. winner. Who's probably Bur- the most Burns is definitely one. A yeah. Yeah. yeah you got to we, We've got to keep him up. Oh, I'm, I'm fully on board on that. Trust me. Be- because literally <laughs> that was one of, there were games where I couldn't leave my chair cause he was so much fun to watch. Um, no matter how much I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and, and uh, like I sit there and go, I don't know when I can go because I'm in the middle of giffing his whole start and, you know, trying to break it down while he's pitching because it was so much fun for me. Like he is one yeah. of the most fun pitchers for me to watch. And I can't, you know, it, it, I don't miss any of his stuff. Yeah. And then you got me tweeting at you. Hey, Rob, did you see this from Corbin Burns? And you're like, yes, I know I'm on it. <laughs> yes. Devin Williams just moved in the dugout. Rob, did you see that? <laughs> Which I love, like heck yeah, <laughs> all of that. Uh, yeah, and, and then when you get games going through, it's like, oh yeah, Corbin Burns just went seven. Now we got Devin Williams, and then Josh Hader finish it out. It's like you're just like, well shit, I I can't leave the chair. Well, look at this. We're we're talking about the starting the starting pitchers, and I know that we're focusing on that, but you have a bullpen that even if your starters have one bad outing, they still get shut down. So it's like so much of a luxury for the starters to know that. They don't have to be perfect, even though some of them almost are, uh, that if you're just you, know, you have one off day, you're not screwed. You're not screwing the team because you can hand the baton off to someone else. And and that's really important, too, for the makeup of your pitchers, like to, to go into a game and know that you have that leeway is important. You still want to shut everyone down, but it's also good to know you haven't let your team down if you've given up three runs because the bullpen's going to going to come in and shut people down too. And you're not going to put as much strain on yourself. You're going to have something left for the postseason. Right. Yeah. And, and Peralta has certainly uh, been one of those guys. And, you know, I, I think really since he's come up and like come through the system, there's always been like this air of mystery around, 
Freddie's fastball and just like what it is and like what it's doing. Cause like, it, it looks so different for the hit. Like it's not overpowering velocity wise, but with like how the hitters see it and like what it does, how it moves, how, like it, it just makes it nearly unhittable. How would you describe his fastball? Uh, I think the whole thing is, is, is electric. And I have had a hard time describing it. Um, like why things can be unhittable because there are multiple reasons. Some of it is how your approach angle to the hitter. Like, so how, how the ball is actually coming out of your hand, your arm slot, arm slot wise DeGrom's a big example of that. Not only does he throw hard, but it's also a uh, kind of a lower arm slot that he's able to stay on top of the ball somehow. So some of it is not easy to pick up. Um, then it's some of it's your mechanics, like herky jerky jumping at a hitter, there are things that are deceptive that we don't have a good way of measuring. We can measure spin rate. We can measure velo. But how do you measure deception? Um, you can say he's hiding the ball or whatever, but some of it's not even about hiding the ball. Some of it is those other factors that all together make the pitch unhittable. And I think he's got something there. Uh, as some, I, you know, I, I don't see a lot of home plate views of him, but I'd love to see it to see what actually the hitter sees. Because there is something there that is not being caught by by everything. Like hitters will know, hey, that's an invisible. Um, and people are like, what? You know, you can't quantify it. But that happens. Yeah. And it now becomes even tougher to deal with when he is throwing more pitches into that mix. Because before it was, you know, like David had said, fastball, curveball. That's really all you had to worry about with him. And I'll admit, I was one of those guys for the longest time who thought, you know, his future was probably going to be in the bullpen. But that always came with the caveat of unless he adds more pitches. And that slider that he added is wicked. That thing, it's one of those Frisbee types that just goes all the way across the zone. And when you see some uh, hitters try and deal with it, it's just laughable. Didn't he do that to my man Alzali a couple of times? Yes. Like, yeah. I felt like he's one of the he's one of the nicest guys in baseball. Um, like a really cool guy. And I was like, I gotta tweet this because you just like you swung at a pitch that was like <laughs> three feet out of the zone, and it was one of those sliders that were just this is frisbee. It's just not fair. And to do it to an opposing pitcher, come on. Yeah. Pitcher like on David pitcher crime. I, yeah. Not, I think David and I were at the first game that he did that to him. Yeah, because there was that, one early in the season. I'm pretty sure that was Peralta Alzali. Yep, that yeah, that was insane. But yeah, his slider is really, really good. And uh, like, I I don't know what to say. I mean, he's he's an electric guy. He's very different though. Like, I consider him and Woodruff on the exact opposite ends of the spectrum when you watch them pitch, uh, because one is just all about electricity, and Woodruff is more of a quiet intense guy who's just going to challenge you with with his overpowering fastball um where freddie's just now just lightning yeah and and then you get those two guys back to back two games in a row and it's just like what do you do what 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 do you do as opposing hitters um but yeah and uh freddie's slider uh, i believe he said he he got that from watching trevor bowers youtube of like his sliders or whatever and like stole it from there um, but I mean, like, Hey, if you're going to take a slider, I think, I think it's a solid one to take. Yeah. And it's actually good. I mean, it's the one thing I would say Bauer does really well is breaking down his own pitches and understanding, um, you know, and he, he's, he's constantly tinkering with pitch design and stuff. So if you're watching somebody as a pitcher, 
you can learn a lot from from the pitch design aspects of what he does. Yeah, so it's um, it's just been and crazy to watch for for Peralta and, and how he's grown and and you know developed over the years and uh, turned himself into into one of these guys. Uh, so I want I want to move on now to one of the other pitchers in this Brewers rotation, Adrian Hauser, uh, who has probably uh, one of the best sinkers in all of baseball. It, it was I, I think like best or second best by run value. Um, I, I think that might have been overall pitch uh, what it was. I mean, gets like, like you have all these guys. You got Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, strikeout machines over here, and then you got Adrian Hauser, six point six strikeouts per nine. Uh, just huge ground ball rate, just kind of get soft contact, completely different style of pitcher, pitch to contact kind of guy, and still finding plenty of success. Yeah, I think he's got nasty stuff. Like every once in a while, you'll see something that just take off. One of his sinkers just take off and look like a cartoon type pitch. Uh, he just like he can keep putting that together. I think it's a matter of. I like to see a guy find a little bit more swing and miss in his game. Like to me, that's maybe how you take your game to the next level for him. Obviously you can be successful as a, as a ground ball pitcher. I mean, Stroman doesn't strike out a ton of people, but also is a successful ground ball pitcher. You can do it. Um, but I think he has it in him to have more swing and miss in his game. That would be my kind of my next level for him. He's got good stuff. Like he's, he's another fun guy to watch pitch when he's on, um, and I, you know, again, it wouldn't surprise me to, for, for him to take a little bit of a leap once he gets that, that confidence and knowledge about who he is. I think he has a good idea of who he is, um, being a ground ball pitcher, but having that one thing in your, in your arsenal that also can get swing and miss would be, would be useful. Yeah. And I mean, he, he has the ability to go deep. Um, he ends up being the first guy. Uh, to pitch a complete game for the Brewers since Jimmy Nelson in yep. 2017, Father's correct? Day. Father's yeah. Day 2017. I love yeah. Jimmy Nelson, by the way. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's I, me too. Yeah, he's just one of those good guys. Yeah, yeah. That freaking shoulder injury. This is why we need the DH. You know? Yep. Yeah, that's terrible. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. And he was so nasty when he came back last year with the with the Dodgers for a bit. Like he was throwing ton of 3000 RPM sliders and curveballs and stuff. And then he got hurt again. Like I yeah. just felt, I mean, sucks. Yeah. I mean, he, he was my guy before Corbin Burns was my guy, you yeah. know, like I, I was on him for years. I'm like, this dude's going to be a stud. And in 2017, he was finally putting it all together. And it's like, yeah, he's finally a stud. And then, and then the injury. Oh yeah. Like he was one of the guys that I would constantly, another one of those guys that I'd watch every one of his starts because he can get the ball to move in ways that just aren't normal. And uh, and it's just, and it's also a really nice guy interacting with fans and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, really easy to root for. Another one of your guys that was really easy to root for, which is mm-hmm. which is cool. Like that's good. I, I know how to pick them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but, but speaking oh. of which, though, um, you know, he did that uh, running the bases, playing offense. We're just talking about Adrian Hauser, who put up some runs of offense. With yeah. a pair of home runs last year off the same guy. Yeah. One of yeah. the funnier moments of the Brewers season. Yeah, he's a, I mean, he's a, he might have a, uh, a hit. He might be the next Shohei. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only if he faces, uh, what, what was his name? Cabrera or something? Castano. Castano. Daniel Castano. Da- Daniel Castano. He faces him every single time. 
then yeah, we we got our next Shohei. Yeah, like I think this could happen. We maybe need a designated pitcher for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get Hauser in that lineup yeah. every single day. Yeah, and get and get Castano to pitch to him, and we'll be like, we'll be good. He can get to pick his pitcher. That would be yeah. That should be a rule. Put put him in the home run derby, and it's like, oh, who who do you want pitching <laughs> to you in the derby? <laughs> Just give me Castano. Yeah, just like a, like like Alonzo with Joust last year. You just had. Yeah, oh my God, that was yeah. insane! Mm-hmm. It was insane. Like, dude, dude was money. Yeah. Like, like when they showed that chart of like, oh, this is Alonzo's hot zone, and this is where all the pitches were. Every single one was inside of it. I'm like, bro, are you serious? Yeah, like that was so so much fun. And you can just tell as the pitch left his hand, that's going out. Like, yeah. Not good for a real pitcher. Awesome <laughs> for a home run yeah. derby pitcher. Oh, yeah. Perfect home run derby pitcher. Um, and really with Alonzo, like when you saw that going through, everyone knew Alonzo was built for this. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that's fun. I was there. It was fun. That was. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Now stuff. we just need to get Hauser in there and then we'd be. We'd Let's be work set. on it. We'll work yeah. on it. Yeah. We got to we, we got we to call him up. Uh, get get him in that home run derby. We, we need a we need a pitcher home run derby. That That's what they need to add to the festivities. You can't – so Shohei doesn't count? Is that what we're going to do? Or are we just going to – I mean uh, – I think Shohei – I think Shohei win. can do the hitter home run derby, you know? Can he do both? Like, he's fun to watch. I mean – That's true. That's true. Those, but it wouldn't like, be fair. Like the NBA skills challenge where you have to do a whole bunch of things. Shohei could do that. you got to throw a pitch and then run up and – hit a home run, run the bases. Cause Lord knows he's got speed too, because Shohei has everything. He does have absolutely everything that guy. Uh, and just like, he is natural charisma too. Like he's one of those guys that you just can't take your eyes off of when he's on a baseball field. Um, you know, that was, that's another one of those guys. Like baseball's yeah. got so much in it right now to, to mm-hmm. watch. Um, led by him probably like as an international figure, but also as a, like, he's probably the most like U S and outside the U S I would think. Uh, it's a, yeah, I mean, it's a fun game. It's a fun game, but uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't mind seeing a pitcher home run derby. I say maybe Shohei can't be in it. You got to yeah. pick. <laughs> that wouldn't be fair, but like, uh, you get the, in Enoa from the Braves. He could, I mean, he mm-hmm. showed some power too. You get some guys that can, and then of course, like Grinky would want to be in it. Yeah, oh, it would Grinky would, would hundred percent be in it. He yeah. would avoid retirement just to come back to be in that. Oh, without a doubt. Like yeah. that would totally hundred percent. It, it would be the greatest thing. Uh, Madison Bumgarner would be in it yeah. as well. That's gotta be the highest odds there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It would be, it'd be kind of yeah, tough. Bumgarner and Grinky one, two. Um, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, I know Braves fans will say, you know, because you had two monster home runs last year and, uh, mm-hmm. like he was probably vice chair of the pitchers who rate club with Shohei being the chairman. Right. Obviously. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> can't, yeah. can't, you're, you're not going to be able to move Shohei off of, off of pretty much anything, but no, no. yeah. All right. So we got, we got one more guy to talk about in this Brewers rotation and it is, the lefty. It is Eric Lauer. And he gave us um, probably the quote of the year from a pitcher um, in that article from a friend of the podcast, Will Salmon, when he was talking about his fastball and why he calls it a zoom ball. And he said, you know, well, you know, if we're in a 0-2-1-2 count and they call for a fastball up, 
I'm not just trying to to throw a fastball. I'm trying to let that bitch zoom. And (laughs) (laughs) it's just the greatest (laughs) thing. I told so he is one of my more overlooked guys until the end of the season. I think like mm-hmm. I didn't follow him, tweet him very much until that article. And then I was <laughs> like, I like this guy and I'm going to follow him more. So it's one of those things when you get like people think I follow everybody. You can't possibly follow everybody. I follow interesting I follow there's a there's a number of guys I will watch everything they do. And then some guys I'll watch some of what they do. Lauer was not one of those guys until the end of the year. And then I look for every excuse to to break out the zoom ball or the uh, what <laughs> the was riser, it? The, the bullet. The, yeah, like all his little names and stuff were were fun. And then I realized, like, he's pretty good, too. Like he consistently was good. And he just didn't have the stuff until until I figured out, like, sometimes it's a matter of me. It's all on me. Like, it's not on the pitcher. It's me mm-hmm. figuring out what makes them tick and why I'm going to how I'm going to show that to to fans and make it interesting. Um, and it was it just took that to do it. But he it's he was good. And I couldn't figure out why I saw his stats. And I'm like, he's. Putting up good numbers, mm-hmm. but how do I show it to anybody? And then that was the key. So great article on him. Um, I love that attitude. And he's very, but he's another below the radar, under the radar type of guy that um, is just one of those glue guys. You need somebody on a staff that does that and somebody quirky like that's pure baseball. That is a pitcher yeah. right there. Uh, a guy that's just making up random names for his stuff. Yeah. Like you need a guy like that on. Your yeah. Team. The, the Brewers have no shortage of quirky lefties with Lauer and Brent Suter. Yeah, uh, Suter's team. Yeah. <laughs> Suter, I get. Like Suter, Suter, yeah. I get because he's just a like he's he's hilarious. Like that yeah. dude. Uh, I know we'll break him down some point in the future. Uh, but even like the Brewers have the best commercials for their team, and he's been the star of it. What at least twice, right? Yeah. Like the, uh, the back. Yeah, to the well, future the back one to the and, future and the um, Mean the, Girls. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then he also had the the Dumber Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. Oh yeah, and Dumb and yeah. Dumber. Yeah, I've been in three of them now. Yeah. yeah, and he's like a natural. Like his Jim yeah. Carrey imitation, freaking <laughs> absolutely sick. Like love watching watching him, and figuring out why a guy who doesn't you know can't touch ninety can get everybody out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then you got you know you got Lauer who just kind of seems like your quiet normal dude like he just kind of like without like hearing him talk but without talking to him you just kind of look at him it's like oh it just seems like your basic normal uh pitcher and i mean if you're around baseball long enough uh you kind of know left-handed pitchers are just generally odd ducks yeah you know <laughs> like, like everyone makes fun of lefties because they're just weird and i can say this as a former lefty um so it you're it's probably still a lefty true. though right like you didn't sweat they didn't make you like now right with your right hand did they? no no i i just don't pitch anymore <laughs> yeah but uh, you could say you can still be a lefty though like you, oh they don't yeah take that away from you that's true that's true i i i still do everything left-handed yeah but and you're still yeah, an odd so, guy so yeah yeah i'm still, still not guy. like i've picked up on that like if i were giving <laughs> you right See, now it, it like just, i got it just, it. it just oozes off you know it, it, it's just a vibe left-handers just, just give off and yeah, Lauer's Lauer's one of them. You know, it, it's just you know, 
and, and seeing in the article too is like, oh yeah, I called it a Zoom ball, and everyone else looked at him like, what? Right. Well, what did you say? And his curveball was what? A uh, uh, spin ball. Spin ball. Yeah. So like, I, I love that. I think that like lefty pitchers are freaking awesome, and you absolutely. Like teams rally around stuff like that. You need someone in, you know, somebody on the staff that is just keeps things loose. Usually it's the bullpen guys too, who are insane. Um, (laughs) And I I think it's important. Like, like that's, that goes to the staff attitude. You all can't be, you know, it's, it's hard to be all like the Kyle Hendricks guys. Right. I mean, you need Mm -hmm. some of them fine. But you need, and yeah. I know he's actually a really good guy too. Yeah. But um, you need a Carlos Zambrano kind of. Right. Yeah. yeah. You need somebody with that little attitude. I know you got Freddie that does it. Like Freddie's got yeah. that a different attitude. But you need the quirkiness, and he's got yeah. that quirkiness, and apparently quirkiness on the bump too, because he just gets people out. Like he's one of those guys that just gets people out. But with with Lauer, then it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, with Burns and some of these guys that fans, you know, want to move on from. And I, I think he was a little bit more under the microscope for Brewers fans because of the Trent Grisham trade. Um, Trent Grisham, you know, we saw him go to San Diego and have a good season. And Luis Urias, you know, kind of, you know, was off and on at the beginning and Lauer struggled a little bit. But, you know, you're looking at him. And he's this 25-year-old, now 26, who is a former first-round draft pick. It is not time to give up on a guy like that and say, oh, so-and-so is a bust. And then, lo and behold, the guy just develops a little bit. And he hasn't really – I'm interested in him, too, because he hasn't really changed much, like, pitch mix-wise or anything like that. He still throws all his pitches pretty close to the same percentage he has for his career, but it's just doing different things with them. And he comes out and is an extremely effective starter for the Brewers, especially against the Dodgers, by the way, because we've seen uh, that entire division. That One of the more ridiculous storylines, too, with that guy is that he just owns the NL West for whatever reason. Yeah. And sometimes it's just they don't see the ball very well off of him. It's just like it's one of those things that's sometimes really hard to explain. But that goes exactly right. Like people think. A trade is won right away a lot of times. And when they see the person they traded away get have success, they automatically, oh, that was a stupid trade. That, and baseball's a long-term, you know, it's it's not a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type sport. The seasons are long. Careers tend to be long, hopefully. And uh, you just have to have that patience that your front office knows what they're doing and get let players develop, especially guys – you know, you don't a first round pick. You don't give up on like you just obviously has something and he's showing it like I I mean, he's he was he was good. He had, he pitched some big games and, and was good. Yeah. And and he came through really. I mean, the, the team really needed him, um, you know, when they were going to six man rotation and managing everyone's innings. And, you know, they trusted him to start some big games, you know, starting starting him against the Dodgers and, you know, games where they really needed wins and facing off against good teams and he came up and, and did well throwing five, six shutout innings, just, you know, going along and, you know, it, it's just kind of really incredible stuff. And it's like that kind of stuff, the, the rotation was so good that like six innings scattering like five hits and giving up no runs was just kind of like a, eh, okay, start. 
Like, like that's how things have changed around here. Like he, he didn't strike like, out oh. 14. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he didn't strike <laughs> out 14. He struck out six and it's like, you know, just kind of got some ground balls, got some fly outs and just worked his way through six shutout innings, keeping the, keeping the team in the game. Like that just flew under the radar. And, and it's, it's crazy how quickly things have really kind of changed there in Milwaukee with, with how this rotation is. Yeah. And that's literally all you need. Like if you need a guy like that to go six innings and then let the bullpen take over. Um, and you need, and, and having someone like that, that can consistently do that. Um, that's huge. Like if you can get that consistency out of you know, a starter that isn't one of your aces, um, and nobody thinks about it, but yet he can still hand the baton off to the dominant bullpen. Um, that's, that's value right there. And, and just, I mean, we just went over the, the pitch, the starters and that's, that's, that's huge. Like you can see why this team is so good. Yeah. And I mean, you had all these guys and with Lauer, Hauser, Peralta, Woodruff and Burns, I, I think the highest ERA of all of them was like 3.22. Yeah. And it's like you, you would have pretty much every single year in Brewers history. And you like, you could, you'd have so many years where not even a single starter would have an ERA of 3.22 or lower. And you had all five of them. You you had five of them with with ERAs lower than that, and then you had Brett Anderson, who's you know, it, that, that's a different animal. But uh, <laughs> love Brett Anderson as a person, but you know, it's just he is he is far different from the uh, from the rest of this rotation. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you're talking about that, and with 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 that dominance in, in your rotation and again, not talking about what, who they have to hand it off to. Um, it's one reason why I watch the brewers a lot is exactly this, like so many different personalities. They don't all do it the same way. Um, they're cut from different cloths, but they all get it done. And that was what makes it a lot of fun. Yeah, and that's what's really crazy too about this team is like, I mean, especially like as all the all these guys that we've just talked about, and you know, the fastball or some variation of it is generally the pitch a, a pitcher is going to throw most often, and every single one of them has a different kind of fastball. Burns has the cutter, uh, the prettiest pitch in baseball. Woodruff has your more traditional four seam. Freddie has his whatever it is, the the invisible w- w- yeah. whatever his fastball does. Lauer has the zoom ball. Uh, Hauser has, has the sinking fastball. Yep. Like every single one is different. And you go throughout the rest of the, you go throughout a series, you face all these guys and you don't have a fastball that looks the same from start to start. Like that's got to also play an impact in these guys' success. Absolutely. And then you hand it off to a guy who also throws upper nineties and throws his fastball less than he throws his airbender. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and another invisible guy like, like, uh, I mean, hater, same thing. Like yeah. you can't not only throw hard, but you can't see it. Like it's it's mm-hmm. it's that double combination. So, yeah, you. It, I think it's. I think that's part of the success is they're all so different and they go about it differently. But yet, uh, so as a if you're if you're playing them, what do you do? Like every day, you're getting something different. Uh, I think it's tough. It makes it tougher to to compete. So that's. Definitely a value in, in the uh, and, a, and an interesting way to compose a staff like the Rays do it with their bullpen. 
and mm-hmm. and the Brewers do it with their starters. Like the Rays have odd, their bullpen is a whole bunch of different arm angles and stuff. So now you're doing it, you know, you have starters that coming at you a whole different ways. I mean, it's it's good stuff. Yeah, you feel bad, and and yet you don't, as Brewers fans, for those opposing hitters who just went through a day of dealing with Corbin Burns's nastiness, and then it's time for Game Two of the series, and okay, what? Oh my God, it's Brandon Woodruff. What? Uh, that's yeah, that's not fun at all. Like you just had a day where where you're getting picked apart, eaten alive by Corbin Burns, and then you have to face Brandon Woodruff. That's not fun um, because he's just <laughs> going to shove the ball down your throat. And there's nothing you're going to do about it. Like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a tough one-two combination. Again, yeah, that I, you know, arguably, I mean, it's definitely one of the best out there. Yeah. And then game three of the series, you face Freddie Peralta. Right. And, like, just, and, and you can't hit him. Yeah. And, and like, the, like, there's no break. It's it's like it's like constructing, like, you know, like you go through a really great lineup and like there's no break one through nine in, in who you're going to face. You got no break in that rotation. Like, you know, even even Hauser and Lauer, those guys are really good pitchers and like they're very tough to face as well. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a nightmare. Yeah. Nightmare. Oh, we finally get to face Adrian Hauser. We get it. Why do I keep hitting these balls into the ground? Yeah. What is going on today? Yeah, exactly. Like I it, thought I had it barreled and it's just <laughs> it just sunk at the last second. Well, and you just think you're used to seeing fastballs. I mean, well, you're seeing a cutter and then then fastballs that keep their plane a little more and then you have that. Like yeah. you're going to hit the ball even more into the ground having to face that. Yeah, it's it's absolutely in, uh, insane. And uh, so you, and you've been giving out your uh, your pitching ninja awards uh, over the over the last few weeks. Or so one of your more recent ones was most overmatched at bat. Um, and you had Corbin Burns against oh, uh, Ronnie fair. Garcia. That wasn't of fair. the Tigers. And <laughs> yeah, I, I was at that that's game. Mean. It was so mean. I, I was at that game. I was, it was like up on the side. So like, I, I kind of had like a, a side view. Um, it's like a back view looking at Garcia and like, I saw him squaring a bunt. Then I see the bat just kind of like jab out in front. I'm like, Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. He's got no idea what he's doing. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know how this pitch is moving, but Ninja, you're going to want to watch this. <laughs> yeah. Like you're, you're, he's facing, you know, the prettiest pitch in baseball, one of the hardest pitches to hit in baseball, and he's never had a professional at bat, and it clearly has no idea how to bunt. That yeah. is the definition of overmatched. Like, you can't be much more overmatched than that, unless I was hitting off Jacob DeGrom. That would not be good. <laughs> but, yeah, that was uh, – although it would be hard to look worse than that. Like, I would stand there. Like, yeah. what's the worst I'm going to do? Like, that's not too bad. I'll look like yeah. I want to swing. Um, yeah. But I'm certainly uh, – or at least fake, like, you know, hold the bat out there like you know how to bunt would be nice. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, like, this was his first professional at bat, and he was, like, 28 or something. Like, he was, like, an international signee, so, like, he signed when he was, like, 16. Yeah. And since he was a pitcher, he probably didn't even, like, actually swing in a game probably since he was, like, 14 years old. Right. So could you imagine, like, the last time you okay. you were you had an at-bat was, like, eighth grade, and now your next at-bat, you're facing the Cy Young winner, throwing the prettiest pitch in baseball. And it's like, yeah, just do what you can. Like, yeah. 96 with cutting action like that is not easy to, to bunt for somebody that has not hit since eighth grade. It's I not easy to record. bunt for even someone who hits on a regular basis. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. But definitely not easy for him. And that was, it is hilarious. I mean, that was fun. 
Yeah. Oh, so much fun. Not fun for him. Not fun for Garcia. Not not for him. I love no. the pat on the back by the coach. Yeah. The, the, the whole <laughs> of that was just fun to watch. Like, I like stuff like that because, again, it's it's one of those things that fans can relate to because mm-hmm. nobody would like, like, oh, I'd love to hit off this guy. And then like you would look exactly like this. Oh, yeah, you definitely yeah. would. And uh, and that's one of those things that there were there were a couple of fans chiming. I can't believe he never learned how to bunt. I can't believe like (laughs) when was he expecting to when was that a thing that he was thinking was going to happen? Like he's a pitcher in the American League. Right. He's not. not, That's the last thing he's probably trying to do is figure out how to bunt. Yeah. And Uh, he's a he's a reliever, too, I think, regularly. He's never going to hit. And they just put him up there. That's life. It made it made my life better, and I'm sure yeah. he. <laughs> I don't know if he appreciated it as much as I did. No, I, I think a lot of people would, would pee their pants if they had to stand in the box and and face that. And oh, I, you I, saw his face; he was laughing at himself. He was like, yeah. "What did I get myself into?" He's like, "What the hell am I like? Like, what was that pitch? Like, yeah. like you see that sometimes when like pitchers break out like uh, pitches that hitters didn't know that they had, or like something super nasty, and they're just laughing. It's like, what was that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I remember, I, I think it was a, a couple of fans getting into it with like, a, or like Yell- Christian Yelich said something about like, if a regular person could face a thousand pitches from Jake, Jacob DeGrom or yeah. something, and it's like, you know, could they get a single hit? And Yelich is like, no, you couldn't, not, not in a thousand tries. And this dude's like, yeah, I think I could. And Yelich is like, you know, I thought about it again. Still no, zero out of a thousand. <laughs> I think that's right. I mean, yeah. I'd, you'd be lucky to like you'd have to time your swing exactly right to even put the ball in play. Plus, yeah. just I mean, with with any decent fielders, you're probably gonna, you know you have to hit a ball where no one is and hope you don't get thrown out at first, even if it drops in. If it drops in front of an outfielder, you have to have enough speed to get there, yeah. and and not sit there and watch and say, oh my god, I hit the ball. Now what do I do? Yeah. Like that's one of those things. It'd be really tough. I would say. He's probably right. I mean, you see MLB yeah. guys can't hit it. Yeah. So yeah. I, would I mean, say, I'd be lucky to get a foul tip, I think. Yeah, but. I would. I would say certainly the first few swings. The good thing is, you know, he's got command and he's not going to hit you because that's the other thing that's going to be in your head. Mm-hmm. Like if that ever, you know, if you're facing a guy with marginal command, that'd be even worse. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Like, like facing a Raldis Chapman or something like that or. Oh Got yeah, 105 right, right by the Jordan face. Jordan Hicks, what are you gonna do? Like, I'm gonna cry. I'm not gonna do it. I'm just gonna go home <laughs> because they may, may slip. Degrom's probably gonna peg, you know, just paint the outside corner over and over and over again. Then it, if he ever threw a slider, like, <laughs> you're, you're done. I quit. It's over. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. Like I, that, that is a pitch I couldn't imagine hitting after sit, if you're sitting on a fastball and you see that slider, which is. Hard, late, um, same tunnel as fat. Like, that's brutal. Or like Corbin Burns. What do you, you'd give up on that cutter every time. And then mm-hmm. occasionally you'd swing and it'd be like a two-seamer. And you'd miss it by, you know, a foot. Yeah. Be- and, and it stays outside. Yeah, because he, he's got that, too, where it's like, you know, it, it starts out there. And then sometimes it stays. Yeah. And, and it's like, oh, it's called a ball. And then he throws it again and it cuts back in and it's a strike. And you're just like, there's, right. there's yeah, nothing you can do. do? He figured out the lane to throw that pitch in to just catch the plate and uh, and also can throw it in that same lane and have it have a tail on you. 
that makes it a nightmare. And then, you know, working a, a, a slider or a curveball or anything else or change up on that, like a change up in that line. Forget it. Like you see why hitting is so hard and why these guys that practice their entire life and are far better athletes than the fans that are sitting there saying they can hit and they can't hit them. So, yeah, I, I think Yelich is right. Yeah. yeah, I think so, too. All right, so um, I got I got one final thing I want to ask you here because I mean obviously we know Degrom is you know you're the, the most dominant pitcher in baseball, but you know as, as we're kind of talking about Burns here um, and what he did this season, how far away do you think Burns is from that title, and what could he do or what does he need to do next to to unseat Jacob Degrom? That's tough. Like uh, Degrom is the perfect pitcher right now. Like other than getting injured. Um, right. So if DeGrom's velo drops off a little bit um, and Burns keeps on the path he is, that's what probably has to happen. Or Burns has to throw 102, um, <laughs> which he could, I'm not saying he can't do it either. Like if he throws, right. if he, he threw a hundred one time, right. I saw it. Yeah. If he yeah. can throw, if he can throw a hundred mile an hour cutters, um, yeah, like he's not that far right, and and I would say there are definitely times where I think Burns is more fun for me to watch than uh, Degrom. Degrom, though, is like he's on another planet um, the last few years. Like he he's another. Both of those guys are art forms when they pitch. Burns has more weapons. Degrom doesn't make a mistake ever. Like he just doesn't make mistakes when he pitches and throws as hard as he does. Um, so that, that's, the, that's the issue. I think, you know, you can view Burns, it depends what you can. I don't view him as the nastiest pitcher because I think it's more of an art form with him. Mm-hmm. Um, most dominant, I think he's close. I think it's, it would, it, it's either him somehow stepping it up a tiny, stepping it up a tiny, who am I talking about? <laughs> like he can't, not stepping it up. I don't. I think. I think it's just hard to put anybody in the class of Degrom because Degrom is is yeah is Degrom. It's sustained success for for Degrom, and and Burns has had it only for a short amount of time. Yeah, and when you picture Degrom, I know exactly what I'm getting every time with Degrom. Like I know I he's 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 going to throw a 101 mile an hour fastball right on the corner um, all the time. You know, this glove side fastball that he doesn't ever miss. And then a slider off that, which is 94, you know, 93 to 95. And, and then occasionally a changeup. Like, you know what you're going to get. And he just executes over and over again. So Burns, if he does that, Burns has so many pitches, it's maybe harder to do that. Like, he could do it with his cutter all day. But to execute that, you have to, like, that's one reason why he's narrowed, DeGrom's narrowed his, his uh, pitch arsenal is because his changeup, he wasn't a 93-mile-an-hour changeup. He just didn't feel a good command with it, so he threw it less. It's still unhittable, but mm-hmm. it wasn't up to his standards of unhittable, which is I know exactly where this pitch is going to go within an inch. Most pitchers don't do that. Like most pitchers, they need to have other stuff. I think Burns' is arsenal, Burns is probably the second guy. Cole is up there when he's on. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like uh, I, I think he can do it. I mean, no, it's hard to say. But I'm having a hard time picturing Burns getting 
even better than where he is because he is like if I'm drawing up a guy that I want to watch more than anybody. What's that, more burns. fun than watching that? Yeah, much more. What's more fun than watching that? Like, there's nothing more fun than watching that guy pitch because of his arsenal. Um, and he's just got that's it. That's a, then the thing is he's got so many pitches that you can't possibly be that perfect with all of them. Yeah, but I mean, even even if one of them or, or two of them isn't really working on a given day, he's got plenty of other weapons to, oh, to I, go to. That's the benefit know? of it. Like, you rarely see a game where Degrom has something that's not working. Like mm-hmm. in general, he just doesn't have those outings because he's narrowed his focus to, you know, basically two and a half pitches. But the negative part about that is is you don't have a lot of things to fall back on. I mean, for him, it's not really a concern. But for most normal pitchers, it is. And Burns has so many wet. I mean, Burns' curveball, which again, rarely gets mentioned, it also rarely gets hit. So could he dominate a game with his curveball and changeup if he wanted to? Yeah, he could. And I think he would be a top pitcher just with those two pitches, um, not mm-hmm. counting his slider and his cutter. And then his two seamer, adding that in there. So he can beat you so many different ways. That's going to be a plus for his career overall. Um, but right now, yeah, Degrom is. Degrom. Yeah, yeah. It it it's tough to unseat him, even with the with the injuries. But you know, over some time, you know, with, with some dominance and, and some improvements, I mean, he can he can get himself there, and he's got one Cy Young to his credit already, um, and it possibly, hopefully, more in the future um, with him and with the stuff that he has. It it wouldn't surprise any of us. No, because he could have won it the previous year too. Like it's yeah. like. And and nobody is going to say that he can't win it next year. I mean, you just even even certainly not me. Right. Well, even <laughs> and that's the thing is like even Degrom at his Degrom at his best. I mean, he was on a record-setting year this year. It might have been the best season of all time had he completed it. Maybe or maybe mm-hmm. he would have had a couple of bad outings that would have raised his ERA. But is uh, is Burns capable of doing that? Absolutely. Like, would it surprise you to see Burns with, you know, a uh, a, a one something no with a lot yeah. of k's it's all possible and yeah. no walks like yeah yeah like it's i i think his he's, he does have the ability to put together a, ridic- a ridiculous stretch of seasons and is a cy young contender every year that he that he's out there yeah and, and he's just really kind of entering into his physical prime too so a lot of a lot of really good stuff to see a lot of really good young pitchers on this Brewers staff, I think every single one of them is is 29 or under. I think Woodruff is the oldest at like 29, 28, 29 now. So yeah, a lot of really good, really young pitchers, and then you got Aaron Ashby and Ethan Small coming up through the pipeline. My and, man, Ethan Small, I love that dude. Yeah, like, another, another Mississippi State Bulldog. Yeah, like he was one of my guys in college that I'd follow and we'd uh, interact because he did the Stroman messing with timing stuff. He had an invisible. He's another guy with a fastball that's really tough to hit, and I uh, was adding a curveball on top of that at at Mississippi State, and was just a fun character. Like he's intense and will yell at the other team, and uh, like he's a guy you want on your side. I'm excited for that guy. Like I yeah. loved watching him pitch in college. One of my favorite college pitchers ever. Uh, so that's a really really good dude to have on your team. Yeah, and, and you know. It, as you mentioned there, the personality joining in the in the rotation. You get his personality with Freddie Peralta and Eric yeah. Lauer. And of course, Ethan Small is a lefty, so he's you know, he's got the quirkiness to him. But man, you get that in a rotation. I mean, 
God, it's so deep. I mean, with, I mean, we just, we're talking about Hauser and Lauer as great as they are. And you got Ethan Small, who could potentially be better. You got Aaron Ashby, who could potentially uh, yeah. be better. He's got plenty of stuff. And we could talk about those guys uh, more in depth next time in, in the bullpen stuff, especially since Ashby was mostly there uh, this past year in the big leagues. But, man, they just got so many, so many good guys coming up there. And it's just a really deep group. Yeah, I had Ashby. Um, I actually did a little short on him saying he's probably the nastiest guy that most people hadn't heard of because um, mm-hmm. his stuff is when 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 he's on, it is it is top tier filthy stuff. There was a demon sinker he threw last year and a slider <laughs> that that is just jaw droppingly nasty. Um, so I would not at all be surprised to see him in the upper echelon of, of upper echelon of filthy pitchers. Like that guy's got it. Um, and that will not surprise me at all. Yeah. And he could probably at best be a number four in this rotation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I can see it. Like he could be a number one for somebody at some point easily, mm-hmm. like yeah. really, really good stuff. Yeah. Um, that's how good he is. Like he is a number one in waiting for somebody as he gets seasoned. Um, you can just see it like that guy yeah. is good. And when that's and when that guy is your fourth best starter, right. you got a pretty damn good rotation. Yeah, you know, crazy. And, yeah, and so many years the Brewers had probably at best number three type starters, number four type starters as their number ones. You know, it's just it's so refreshing to see as a fan of pitching, um, and it's part of the reason why the Brewers are now uh, one of your favorite teams to watch. And Ashby and and Smaller all going to play in part a part of that. And we can talk about them a lot more in depth. Uh, the next time we have you on, on this podcast, talking with, uh, uh, pitching ninja here, talking about the brewers and, and we can talk about their bullpen and, and all these other guys, small Ashby and hater and Williams and Jake cousins also phenomenal, but yeah. so many, so many guys to talk about on the staff, um, and this rotation phenomenal. Uh, but we can talk about a lot of those guys, next time that we have you on rob thank you so much man for taking for taking the time this week and and hopping on with us and and talking pitching man it's always a blast it's always fun to talk pitching especially when you're talking about this level of pitching it's Mm -hmm. uh so much fun yeah it it, it's so much fun like trying to trying to convince you it's like hey you want to hop on the podcast and talk Talk about birds yeah exactly yeah yeah uh, i guess i can do that yeah. Uh, th- thanks for having me on. And thanks for like, I have fun interacting during the season. You guys keep me on my mm-hmm. toes, which I love. Um, and it's another one of the reasons, like I have to keep up with the brewers because you guys are so good at it, at what you do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, keep, keep that up. It's fun. Thank you. I, I will continue to to tag you every single time. Corbin Burns does uh, blows his nose and yes, does, yeah, does anything. Yeah. Well, one time he was picking apart a like he wasn't even pitching. He was just standing picking in the dugout. He was picking apart a baseball. Yeah, yeah tearing That's off the right. seams, unwinding it. Yeah, I I'm got just that. like, yeah. yeah, I got that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, just insane. So much fun. Uh, love it so much. Thank you, Rob, for for coming on. Um, that'll do it for us this week. Um, hopefully, we'll have uh, Rob on again soon. Another episode here on the Cold Brew Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Colbrew underscore pod. Can follow Rob at Pitching Ninja, of course. If you aren't already, what are you doing with your life? Uh, you can follow Matt, MKE Matt 13. You can follow me at DGasper24. If you aren't, I understand, but uh, <laughs> but maybe if you could do that, that'd be great. 
so that'll do it for us this week on the Cold Brew Podcast. Uh, we'll see you next time as the MLB lockout continues and uh, this Brewers pitching staff uh, continues to be uh, amazing. Uh, so that'll do it. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.